Thanks, Neil. Can you actually thank Beck, Neil, James, and Anthony? I really appreciate it, especially with the number of key changes that we had before this service. They've done an amazing job this morning. Uh, it's great to have you here this morning, particularly if you're a visitor with us. We've got a few um, unfamiliar faces. It's great to see you this morning. Welcome. I hope you feel welcome and at home today. I'm, I'm, my message this morning follows along from last week a little bit. So last week, I'm not sure if you remember, I shared Jesus' invitation to Matthew, this specific personal invitation, come follow me. I reminded you that actually Jesus invited but you personally to take a leap of faith like Michelle drew about and come follow him. He loves us. He says, come with me and I'll lead you into life and blessing. Not just for yourself, but for the world. So this morning, we're actually looking at the story of someone who did that, who responded to Jesus. It comes from the book of Acts, which is really helpful because it's actually after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So this person, like us, had to work out what it looked like to follow Jesus when you couldn't actually literally walk after his footsteps. They had to work out, like us, how to follow Jesus in their time and their place and what it meant to be someone who trusted him and followed him. So, so let me share the story with you. It's the story of Lydia and it comes from Acts chapter 16. From there, we travelled to Philippi a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who gathered there. One of them, listening, was a woman from the city of Gayatra named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And so she persuaded us. That's it. That is the story of Lydia. That is basically all we know about her from the Bible. But if we pay attention to the context, there's a lot that we can learn about Lydia and how she responded to Jesus. First off, first thing to notice is that Lydia was a God-fearer. She wasn't a Jewish woman, but she worshipped the true God. She prayed regularly. In many ways, um, Lydia reminds me a lot of Cornelius earlier in Acts, who you remember God sent Peter to. Um, and while he was preaching, Holy Spirit fell on him. First, Gentile convert to Christianity. It may well have been that Lydia was actually praying to God to say, show me how to follow you. I'm not a Jew, but I want to know how to follow you. I want to follow you better. And so when Paul comes, she is ready. Her heart's open. She's been saying, I want to follow God. I want to honour him. And so when Jesus when Paul tells her about Jesus, tells her about how to follow him, she says, I'm in. Sign me up, I want to be baptised, my whole family is getting 
baptized. This is what we've been waiting for. We want to follow Jesus. We also know that Lydia was a pretty wealthy woman. She was a dealer in um, purple dye. Purple is a pretty rare natural colour. It doesn't, you can't find it in many places. And in fact, the place where it comes from is Lydia's hometown of Theatra. There's a plant there, it's called the matter plant. Um, it was native to her hometown. From the roots of that plant, you can get a purple dye. Now, you know how the world works. When something is rare, that makes it expensive, valuable. So um, Lydia was a high fashion dealer. She, she dealt to the high end of town. She was a fashionable woman. She is presented as hardworking, independent, influential woman who runs her own business and household. Do, do people come to mind? Are you starting to get a picture for what Lydia is like? There's lots of Lydia's actually in this church family. So when she hears the gospel, when she hears that call, follow Jesus, do you know what changes about her life? Not a lot. <laughs> she stays looking after her household, running her business, doing all the things that she was doing before. She doesn't become a missionary or a preacher. She doesn't sell everything and give it to the poor and go off and with Paul on his travels. She keeps running a business. What she does do, though, is take everything that she has, everything that she's working hard to maintain, all the blessings that she's had, and she looks for how she can use it to be generous. She looks for how she can use it in the kingdom of God. So she says to Paul, come, stay at my house. Let me welcome you so that you can focus on your gift of preaching the gospel. Um, there wasn't a synagogue in Philippi. Uh, to have a synagogue, you need 10 Jewish, Jewish men. Um, that's the minimum you need to be able to form a synagogue. So that's why they're meeting out, praying by the river, because they don't have enough people for a synagogue. There wasn't a synagogue there, but there was a church, and it started this, from this day on, and it met at Lydia's house. The church in Philippi that the book of Philippians is written to is the church meeting in Lydia's home. She's this uh, incredible example of generous hospitality and responding well with what you have to the message of Jesus. We can learn a lot from Lydia, not just because there's lots of Lydia's here in this church, hard-working, independent women who run a household as well as a business. Um, we can learn a lot about how to follow Jesus, all of us. And the first thing that we can learn is about service. Jesus said this, he called his disciples together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. 
Jesus came to serve, to follow after him, to follow his example, means service. It means offering hospitality like Lydia, being generous. Service, um, I love this quote, service isn't thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. It's about thinking about the needs of others, how you can bless others, how you can um, be a uh, positive um, influence in the world. It's, it's about seeing God's generosity to yourself and where that love and generosity is needed in the world and closing the gap. It's about seeing opportunities to join in God's blessing and then getting involved without counting the cost. Service like this is actually at the heart of discipleship. If you want to follow Jesus, it means serving. Following after his example. It is so countercultural. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but at the moment in our world, it seems like everyone is trying to big up themselves. Um, Stephen last night at the. <laughs> 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 Stephen last night at the Rib Night just wandered past me and said heaps good. And I, I thought he was saying, I'm heaps good. <laughs> I'm like, I know Steph, just keep it on the deck <laughs> It seems like everyone in this world is trying to get a platform and have more influence and increase their um, exposure and make a name for themselves and exercise their rights. Like, I'm all for rights, but I'm not for just exercising your rights for yourself without considering anybody else. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't be like them. Don't use your rights for yourself. Use what God has given you to be a blessing to others, to serve. He says, be like Lydia. Use your influence to raise others up. Use what God has given you to bless others generously. Use your gifts for good. That's the message that our kids are learning about in their programs this morning. Use your gift for good. That's why God's given them to you. So that you can do kingdom good with them and be like him and be a blessing in this world. That is what we as followers of Jesus are called to do. It's a great message. I hope our kids get on board with it this morning. I pray that it would sink into our hearts too, that you would use your gifts to bless and serve and do good. But as we look at this passage as adults, I'd like us to go a bit deeper into the reality of how we do that. So far we've looked at what we do, do good. I don't know if you've uh, tried to do good though. <laughs> it's actually more complicated than it seems at first glance. The question I want us to look at this morning is how do we best do this? How do I use what God is giving me for good? How do I serve well? So first off, let me say that quote that I gave you about service, that service is not thinking of yourself less, but thinking 
less of yourself. Uh, it's only half right. Service is about thinking less of your needs um, because our deepest needs have been met in Jesus. Now, when you have an abundance, you don't need to keep hoarding stuff to yourself. So that is the way the Christian gospel flows. God has blessed us generously and abundantly, therefore we are able to bless others. It's about thinking about your needs less. But in many ways, it's actually about thinking about yourself more. Being truly thoughtful about your gifts and your resources and why God has given them to you. As Christians, we should be thinking deeply about this. What do I have that I can offer to the world? How can I be thoughtful, use my gifts to bless others? Jesus talked about this often. He told parables about it. You know, the parables of the talents. Jesus commended the um, servants who took what they'd been given and diligently invested it so that it produced more. He talked about the parable of the seeds sown on good soil that returned a harvest 30, 50, 100 times what was sown. God wants us to be fruitful in doing good. The Spirit longs to bear fruit in us. And Jesus said, I have appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. So following Jesus doesn't mean putting yourself at the bottom of the pile and not thinking about yourself. It actually means thinking about yourself clearly, recognising what God has given you, and then thoughtfully making a plan to invest it. It's not about becoming someone else. It's about becoming the kind of person that Jesus would be if he had your gifts, your opportunities, your resources, and your story. We don't need to become Jesus. We need to become like the kind of person Jesus would be if Jesus had access to everything that we had access to. It's not about becoming someone else, role modeling yourself like me and becoming like him. As amazing as that would be. Just a believe it. So, when you look at Jesus, when you look at the way he lived his life, one of the things that I noticed is he had a plan. He was clear about who he was and what he was here to do. And he didn't always serve. You know, it's like Jesus who said, I am amongst you as one who served. He didn't always serve. He often said, no. Um, no, I'm not going to do any miracles here because I've come to preach the gospel over here. No, I'm not going to stay in this place where we're having fruitful ministry because I actually am called to go over here. No, I'm not going to avoid Jerusalem and just stay having a happy time around here with the disciples, doing great miracles, telling great stories, seeing revival. I'm actually going to set my face towards Jerusalem and head off there because that is what I've come. As I, as I look around the room, feel free to look around the room too. I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm encouraged. Mostly. No, I am. I'm, I'm really encouraged. 
I, I know that I'm not asking you to do something that you're not already doing. I'm not asking you to do something new. I'm asking you to keep doing what you're already doing. Keep at it. Um, keep using your gifts and your personality <coughs> for good. Stay focused. Don't grow weary of doing good because if you persevere, you will see the reward. So hang in there. Keep using your gifts for good. But maybe too, now's an opportunity to be a bit more thoughtful and say, okay, having some more wisdom about who I am, having some more wisdom about my giftedness and my personality and who God's created me to be, where do I need to just crack course a little bit? What's the opportunity that I need to invest in? How can I be strategic and thoughtful so that I'm fruitful? Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so, that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. It's an incredible mission to go bear kingdom fruit. But along with it comes this promise, ask. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So I ask Jesus, Jesus, how do I grow fruit? How do I take what I have, whether that be um, ten talents or whether that be one talent, how do I take what I have and bless and serve and let your light shine through me and see kingdom reward? Remember the fruit that he's talking about is not the same fruit that this world is talking about. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give me, give you. This is my command. Love one another. Kingdom fruit is about people. Love one another. It's about transformation. It's about seeing the Spirit of God go to work in the lives of people and in this world. And so the question to ask Jesus is, how can I best practically love people and see the kind of fruit come to bear in this world that you're talking about? In the places where I have opportunity to influence, in my workplace, through my vocation, through the things that I'm doing, in my family, in my neighbourhood, in this place. We are at a time in life, most of us, like Lydia, where we're pretty busy. <laughs> I imagine if you asked Lydia to add something else into her life, her head would explode. But the question was then, all right, how do I, amongst all that I have opportunity to do, how do I prioritise well? How do I choose the things that are going to be truly fruitful and maybe let go of the things that aren't? How do I just make little tweaks so that I can line myself up with what God is wanting to do within me? He's given me all of these things. I'm doing well. But I want to do it all in terms of the kingdom of God. So what needs to just tweak around that? Paul, come stay at my house. I've got this big house that I've been blessed with. Come and share it. Let me look after you. So the kingdom can go ahead. So that's the question I want you to rest, wrestle with this morning. Is there something that God is calling you to do? Is there something that needs to change? Do you have a growth mindset? Do you have a plan? Are you organised? Like, it's very easy to think that the Spirit of God calls us to float through life just kind of 
responding to him as it might happen. But it's not. Like, God calls us to make a plan. Make a plan for how you can bless the world. There's a great book by a guy called Matt Perman in which he talks about this. He talks about kingdom productivity. And I, I really love that idea. His whole book's organised around this idea of how can I organise my life so that it is productive for the kingdom of God? And it's like organisation is a big part of that. If you're not organised, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a rhythm and a structure, you're not going to get anything done. Uh, in his book, he tells the story of John Wesley, who, who made this resolution. He says he resolved that he would do all the good he could, by all the means he could, in all the ways he could, in all the places he could, at all the times he could, to all the people he could, as long as he ever could. What a great resolution. So that's what I want my life to be about, and I'm going to resolve that that is what I will do. It's, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Isaiah. God, here I am, send me. Let me follow you as far and as hard and for as long as I can. It's kind of what Paul talked about in Corinthians. He said, don't you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such ways to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the earth. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Don't run aimlessly. Let's not be like the kids and say, let's vaguely be kind. Let's just be nice to people. No, we're not kids. We're adults. We're meant to take what God has given us and run with it. Be fruitful. Rise up to the challenge. Take risks. I love, uh, what's his name? Alan Hirsch talks about this spiritual discipline of risk. And I love that concept. That sometimes in life, the best thing we can do is take a big risk for the kingdom of God. To say, this is an opportunity to be fruitful and I'm going to take it and I'm not sure how it's going to be. I love that idea. Risk, being thoughtful, being diligent, being organised. Maybe some of you need to sit down and read Matt Perman's book to pray, to ask God, how can I best serve you? What is the best plan I can make, given who I am and given what you're doing in this world? Maybe you need to get organised. And if you're that person, you probably know whether that's you or not. Start small, dream big. All right. Just before I finish up, uh, my message this morning has the potential to hook into our Protestant guilt and work ethic. As, as um, Baptists, we're, we're very good at feeling like we must be working hard and being productive and uh, feel guilty about the things that we're not doing. So let's just rewind a little bit and come back to Lydia. She's an excellent example of what it looks like to do this kind of stuff in practice. It's not about 
being like uh, Elon Musk and, uh, you know, if you're not flying a rocket into space, what are you doing? It's about in the places that you are, thoughtfully doing what you're able in a way that is honouring to God and sustainable. It's about taking opportunities to bless. It's actually about action. Trouble with making plans is sometimes you just get stuck there. You think all the time is about these plans that you can make, rather than just getting on and doing the things that are in front of you. Lydia was a person who put her faith into action, so that when Jesus spoke, she said, I'm in. Um, that's what we want to cultivate, to be the kind of people that when Jesus speaks, say, I'm in. Because we know he's good, we know he's faithful, we know he has a plan, and we can go with him. It's about being thoughtful and organised, but it's also about being patient and discerning. Part of the story I've kind of glossed over this morning so far is how Paul went <coughs> for the life. It's a fascinating story because he hadn't actually planned to go there. Uh, his plan was to travel around Asia Minor. Um, Paul was very deliberate with where he went. He said, I've got this message called the gospel. Jesus has entrusted us to spread it to the whole world. So I'm going to go to every strategic port and commerce city in the known world so that I can spread that message. He was really deliberate about it. And his strategy at that moment wasn't working. Let, let me read to you from just a little bit earlier in Acts. Paul and his companions travelled out throughout, travelled throughout the region of Phygra and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. We don't know how the Spirit of Jesus would allow them to, but it wouldn't. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Trias. So Paul's strategy wasn't panning out. He wanted to go into Asia because that was the next strategic location where he thought he could make the most of the opportunity to preach the gospel he'd been given. But uh, there was a spiritual resistance there. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul goes to Macedonia, to the key city in Macedonia of Philippi. He goes to a river where women are praying, and one of the women there is Lydia, who opens up a home to him and forms the first church in the province of Macedonia. It reminds me of, uh, of Proverbs, that many of the plans are in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And again, that promise in Proverbs, commit your plans to the Lord, and uh, commit, whatever you, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Uh, so, there's this book by Mark Perman, Matt Perman, it's about getting organised. Another book I've been reading at the moment is by a guy called Mark Thibodeau, and it's about St. Ignatius and discernment. Um, he talks about this idea of um, knowing and being thoughtful about who you are, but then discerning what God's will is. He kind of talks about this idea that when you know 
who you are and what wise living looks like when you know the gospel, when you know the word of God, when you know your gifts and personality and know your plans and your passions and what brings you joy and know your freedom, you can make the wise decisions. But sometimes, and I don't know if this has happened to you, sometimes all of those things are pulling in opposite directions. You've got an opportunity, but you're not sure how you feel about it. And it's not quite aligned with your gifts, or your heart tells you you want to go over here, but your head tells you you should go over here. In those kinds of situations, we need the gift of discernment. It's not about thinking through it, planning through it. It's about being able to listen and discern the voice of God in those situations. To hear that call, come over here. Um, in John, Jesus said, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they won't follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. In first, <laughs> in first century Palestine, um, shepherds would gather their sheep together for protection at night. And then in the morning when they had to sort their herds, what they'd do is they'd go and they'd stand apart from one another and call out to their sheep. And the sheep knew their shepherd. They knew the voice of the one that they'd been following. And so they would head over to that person, and the shepherds would go off and make their thoughts. Um, Mark Thibodeau said this. He said, in any given situation, whether it's an ordinary day or in, the, in a day of momentous decision, there are many voices in your head and your heart posing to you a variety of actions, reactions, or non-actions. I know the non-action option well. The Ignatian method of discernment teaches you how to fine-tune your spiritual sense so that you can more readily detect and move towards the voice of the Good Shepherd, distinguishing that voice from all the others. So I want to remind you of the promise that God has given us that Jesus shared that I read out just earlier. Whatever you ask in the name of the Father, I will give you. Jesus loves to give the gift of wise discernment and direction. So maybe today you need to sit down and make a plan and say, how do I make the best of the opportunities I've got? Or maybe today you need to sit down and say, Jesus, help me hear your voice. What are you wanting to say to me? I'm open to whatever that may be. What's the most important thing I need to hear? Maybe it's something I'm ignoring, or something um, I need to pay attention to that I haven't been. Let me hear your voice. And then let me follow. Alright, I'm going to finish up. Just going to... Um, let me encourage you, actually. Let me encourage you to keep following Jesus. To ask yourself, how do I best use the gifts that he's given me to 
how do I hook into the passions and the things that I'm good at and use them to bless others and bless God's people? What opportunities do I have to serve and to bless? How do I invest in the things that will last? How do I like a wise builder build up the solid foundation? And like a good tree there, help you sleep. That's cold. Yeah, yeah. Think about these things. Thanks, you, Lane. I'm going to pray then. Fun times. Thanks, man. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the brains that you've given us, that you um, have given us an ability to plan and to make decisions and to be thoughtful about the way that we live our lives. Lord, we pray that we would live fruitful lives, that we'd make wise decisions, that we'd make good plans, that we'd resolve to make the most of the opportunities that we have to bless and to serve. But Lord Jesus, in the midst of that, we pray that we would be your voice. We pray that we would be open to you and guided by you. That when you call, we would listen. That we would heed your voice of peace of joy and direction. Lord, help us to prioritise well in this busy time of life. And may we see your fruit and your kingdom coming up soon. Amen.